0: This is the BAM School Podcast, where we talk about business, adventure, and mission with your host, Buddy Rathmel. All right, we are here live with Eric Owens, one of my friends uh, since 1986, way back in sixth grade at Wiley Elementary School in Watertown, New York. And uh, Eric is a unique friend in that we, about half of our friends on Facebook are from our time in junior high and high school, and half are from the business world uh, around the world people that we have individually connected with but have in common, so it's kind of fun to look at that but welcome Eric I'm looking forward to uh hearing about your experience as a business broker.
1: yeah, thanks for having me on,
0: yeah, so tell us how did you get started as an entrepreneur?
1: yeah, uh funny enough, like one of the first entrepreneurial things I remember doing was with a mutual friend of ours uh Justin Smithline. We were in high school, I think it was our senior year we uh it was a new lacrosse coach selling and there used to be like, you know, the Watertown high lacrosse t-shirts and uh, the new coach, like wasn't going to do it. So me and Justin were like, well, somebody's got to sell these. So we just like went ahead and did it. And like, I forget how much we made. I can't remember if it was like a thousand dollars each or something like that, or 500, but like at the time felt pretty rich.
0: Yeah. That's (laughs) awesome.
1: it was a good, uh, good lesson in like, just spot an opportunity. And I am mean, like, okay, how can we do this? Have some fun and make some money at the same time. Um, yeah. And then, uh, and then I kind of always like wanted to have my own business and then, uh, Thought it was going to be a manufacturing business i actually went to college and did the the whole college route to become learn about industrial engineering and stuff like that Thought i was going to be like one of my industrial heroes from ayn rand's atlas Shrugged. yeah and then uh, after gym manufacturing for a while and seeing everything go to mexico and china i was like nah i do not want to be in this business and right. then uh started looking for other ways to make money and back then i was like between 97 and 2000 and yeah uh, figured out some internet marketing things and then teamed up with a couple other guys to uh, start an uh, inter-marketing publishing company. So.
0: Cool. Yeah. I remember way back in the day, I think in the nineties you had the domain wealthnexus.com. Do you remember yes. that? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, after that, I'm like, oh, that's a cool name. I bought leadership nexus and held on to that for too many years for no good reason. So yep. yeah. yeah, that's cool. And we actually talked before the show, some of both of our I think entrepreneurial mindset came from our friend, Justin and his dad, like who had a bunch of different businesses or different things. And, um, yeah, I think that, that I had that. I, I remember at 13, I was like, I want to have my own business someday. It was always something, you know, that was kind of there in the, in the background of like, this is what I'm going to do at some point in the future. So what were, what actually led you into the app brokering business?
1: Yeah, back in, like, I think it was around I think 2005, um, one of my uh, partners in the air marketing publishing company, we had a little side business with a couple of uh, tech software websites. It didn't make us a ton of money, but it made us a few thousand dollars a month each. And uh, he wanted to buy a new Mercedes and like pay cash for it. I was buying a new house. And uh, so we're like, maybe we can just sell these. Like one of those things We're like, I'd never done it before. And we're like, all right, well, it's a way to... We had to challenge ourselves, see if we can do it, and uh, I forget how long it took us—a little while—but we found uh, found a buyer for them. And like when we sold those, we both made more money in a day than either of us had like ever made in a year before. Oh, so wow. that's where like the light bulb went off. We're like, okay, maybe there's something to this, and. Uh, so never intended to be a business broker or anything like that. But then I uh, saw like we had a bunch of contacts from the early internet marketing events. who had internet businesses yeah. and they knew some like angel investor type people that were looking at buying internet businesses and just started lining up deals. So one of those things where was like, oh, there's an opportunity, might as well jump on it. Yeah. And then, uh just kept doing it since then. So
0: Cool. Yeah. So going on 14 years now, I guess, as a, a internet app yeah. broker. Yeah, yeah. Really cool. What are the, the things... app part we,
1: that what? was doing Internet business stuff at first? And then we started doing apps about 10 years ago. That was actually okay. a guy named uh, Chad Moretta, who has like teaches people how to build app businesses now. And And yeah. uh, he actually had to harass me for a few months to sell his app because at the time the app store was only like, I don't know, a year old or something like that. Yeah. And uh, at first I'm like, nah, nobody's going to want to buy an app. Like, yeah, got a year of history. It's just a little piece of software but like his revenue went from 20 grand a month to 40 to 60. And then I think to like 80 where I was wow. like, okay, maybe there's something to these apps,
0: right? <laughs> so yeah. definitely credit him
1: for getting us into doing apps. So yeah.
0: And are you still the only one really in that niche? Or are you like the biggest player in the app niche or
1: as far as I know, there's some other brokerages out there that do sell apps from time to time, but we're definitely the yeah. ones that like focus on it.
0: So right. Probably have done, cool.
1: done more deals than anybody else, but
0: yeah. Great. So what are the things that when you see in a business, when, when someone comes to you, they're wanting to sell their app that you're like, I know this one's going to sell because of this, this, and this, what are some of those pieces?
1: Yeah, definitely. And, uh, and some of this will probably apply a little bit more to like e-commerce or internet type businesses, but, uh, like, Next think about doing a training sometime soon on helping people set up their business to sell it for like maximum value and maybe even a yeah. course or coaching program. Um, but like the, I was we're we talking about like the things that don't do that people don't do or that they do that you want to have in place.
0: Well, I was thinking first, the ones that you do want to have in place.
1: Okay. Yeah, cool. The, uh, the biggest thing are, like, if you want to make it a slam dunk to sell your business, definitely clean financials and uh, have some history behind it, uh, usually like two years or so. But the clean financials part is big. It's not one of those, like, fun or exciting things for, like, almost any entrepreneur. Uh, right. But if you actually do have, like, separate bank account and company entity and tax returns, uh, and then keep everything clean where you're not like running tons of personal expenses through it. Uh, yeah, then when you go to sell it, it just opens up a lot more possibilities where buyers can get bank financing nowadays for a lot of these yeah. businesses. Where that's one thing where the industry's grown up a lot in the last couple of years. Um, uh, but to get bank financing, you need all the documentation, like that's just their, right. their game. So if you want to play that game, you need to have the right things in place. Uh, but the biggest thing for sellers is like then you have more buyers who can buy it because yeah. you can get a better price for it. So that's right. the, the biggest thing for sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, and with apps, you know, I know in traditional you know, brick and mortar businesses, there's typically a, a chunk of seller financing as part of the deal. Is that the case with apps or is it usually like an all cash or earn out type of type of deal?
1: Yeah. We get a lot of deals done that are all cash and yeah. uh, I think it's partly just the nature of the buyers for it. And then, uh, but I would say like the e-commerce type businesses that we do, those ones are more, they do have some seller financing involved, especially if there's bank financing, they usually yeah. want sellers to carry some of it. Like even if it's like five or 10%, but some amount right. for sure. Right.
0: And what are the things that sellers should be doing for their business, but typically don't do?
1: Yeah. Like I said, the clean financials is a huge one. And then, uh, like, there's no necessarily a perfect time to sell. Uh, but one of the things I see people, where they lose out on a lot of money is like they have their current business and then they come up with some bigger idea. You know, almost every entrepreneur ends up with multiple ideas. So they take their foot off their gas on the first business mm. and start working on the second one. So inevitably the first one declines and then yeah. they're like, yeah, maybe I should just sell it. Uh, yeah. But then like once it goes into decline, you can still sell it just for a way lower price. And right. Then, uh, or some people try to sell when the business is in what kind of a steep decline and, you know, nobody wants to catch a falling knife. I don't care. Right. I even experienced buyers. Uh, right. Even if you can explain the reasons why it's declined, buyers typically want to buy something where it's flat or growing ideally. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's um, a, re- that's a great idea. And so many businesses, I, you know, it's like, why are you selling? Ah, I have other interests, you know, there's other things that I want to be doing. And that's really good advice to think about, think about selling before you really invest in another project while it's still on the upswing. I know yeah. one of the, one of the things that Yeah. Like if, se- go ahead, I say, if
1: you start thinking about a bigger idea or start getting burned out, like that's the yeah. time to just sell then.
0: You'll yeah. Sell. Yeah. One of the things that I just heard recently that kind of seemed counterintuitive is if you're thinking of selling your business, even three, four years from now, start getting your personal finances out of it, pay more taxes. Like you said, have clean financials, but you want to pay more taxes because the multiple that you're going to get on the business is going to make up for, for it in the long run, you know, but people want to like hide as much income within the business as they can right up until the last day and then try to put ad backs and different things in, but it doesn't look as good for the buyers in that case.
1: Right. Definitely. Yeah. If you save 30, grand on taxes now, but it costs you $300,000 later. It's not a good ROI.
0: Right. So tell us about a deal that uh, fell apart for you. What what made it fall apart?
1: Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's we've had a few, uh, not too many, but a few. Uh, yeah. One thing when we had it happen a while ago was the uh, nutritional supplement business, where like they had two different products, but it was all through Amazon, uh-huh. and uh, had a deal in place where there was a doctor that was going to buy it. A guy who was an actual brain surgeon, and. Uh, He's going to buy it all set to go. And then two days before closing, Amazon killed the main product. Like sellers hadn't done anything wrong. Like couldn't get a reason out of Amazon on why they killed the product. But that was like 80% of the revenue for the business. Oh, Uh, man. Yeah. So that deal that deal fell apart where it's one of those things where like if you're dependent on one platform or even one marketing uh, platform like Facebook or whatever uh yeah. it just makes your business so high risk um yeah. that that's a big thing we were cool about it cool with the uh the buyer we actually helped that buyer buy a different business uh yeah. and then uh that same seller had a different a larger supplement business that we ended up helping them sell for like 1.5 million so oh wow it, it ended up working out pretty well for everyone in the long run but that was pretty devastating to the, yeah. uh, the seller and even the buyer because there's a lot of work that goes into getting the deal that close and then have it not happen um
0: yeah tell tell i know last year you had a huge deal tell us about that
1: uh yeah definitely yeah we had a couple actually last year i think we closed like our largest e-commerce and uh and app deals uh Mm e-commerce one was the uh was a cool business where the guy we sold a business for him before he started uh a neat like apparel type of business. Uh funny enough for the conservative market. So it did really, really well yeah. uh during two thousand and twenty, even during the pandemic really grew really fast. Right. And then uh had some buyers that were able to step in and get uh get bank financing for it and get the deal closed like before the election. So they're able to capitalize on some good stuff for the yeah. uh the US election time frame. Right. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, then the app deal, that one was a, a game where we had had it listed for like a long time, might've been almost yeah. two years. Normally we don't work on listings that long, uh, yeah. but it was just like this really cool game asset. It was just tough to find the right buyer for it. And, yeah. uh, finally find a buyer where a uh, was a, a public company in Sweden where they started buying up games and uh, have a really good strategy to buy games and revamp them and, and profit from them. So
0: yeah. Yeah. You're seeing a real maturation. I think just in business buying in general, and then obviously e-com apps, anything digital, like um, I know there's a, like a billion dollar fund out there that's buying up FBA businesses. And um, so, so probably are multiples going up mm-hmm. in the, in the app world.
1: Uh, I'd say more for e-commerce and like software as a service okay. stuff apps a little bit, uh, just yeah. not to the same degree as uh, as the other ones. I think yeah. it's because those ones uh, there's a lot more buyers for like e-commerce and SaaS ones than there are for apps. And uh, like we talked about those guys, there's people are getting significant investor funds and uh, and then also bank financing. So, yeah. so that definitely has driven up the multiples for sure.
0: Yeah. And have you heard of people doing search funds? Are you familiar with that term? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a new thing that, that I just have heard about maybe in the last 12 months of people that are actually raising money in instead of like venture capital funds, they're raising money to buy existing businesses that they can then grow, you know, through whatever reason, or a roll up putting a bunch of businesses together and then as that EBITDA grows and they're able to get a higher multiple once they get up, they're looking to exit that. But this whole you know, I think the like buying and selling real estate has become so competitive in America because everyone has watched these shows about flipping. And we've been told forever it's good to have real estate that people are having to look in other areas. And so I think buying and selling businesses and then with the pandemic, I feel like maybe I've just been paying more attention and so I'm seeing it more, but I feel like a lot more people are talking now about wanting to buy a business and how that makes sense over starting a business, you know? Yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know like the COVID stuff impacted some people when it first hit. Uh, yeah. It's been interesting to see though, like when we it first happened back Mar- last March, we had deals in motion where, I don't know, I think it was around like 300,000 in commission revenue for us from deals that it got killed, like all the deals wow. got, because people were too afraid to do anything for a short amount of time. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, luckily though, that came back within a couple of months and we started closing more deals. And then since then, we've seen more and more buyers come into the market where buyers who probably were previously more focused in like offline investing and offline businesses. Now we're looking at digital businesses just because they've seen the power of, uh, you know, not being dependent upon local or retail type of traffic. So,
0: yeah. And do a lot of your transactions, do do some of them happen completely online and, and digitally?
1: Yeah, almost all of them actually. Sometimes we'll randomly have like a buyer happens to be in the same geographical area as the seller yeah. where it's cool when it happens, uh, yeah. cause they can meet a person, you know, have that yeah. connection. And, but, uh, but yeah, almost all of ours, we do a hundred percent just online. So we've had, uh, we, <laughs> we have some app buyers where like, we don't even talk. Like we just do it by email. Like all, I think there's one guy who's bought like $2 million worth of apps through us where over five, say like five year period, uh, randomly i did a video call with them for the first time and uh with a seller last you know, a couple months ago so yeah i uh, so, hadn't even seen them on video before uh, that's
0: crazy so millions yeah. of buying millions of dollars of business through email that's yep. next level i i've heard of a lot of people doing zoom and fully completing the transaction online and with zoom but email that's like um, that's next level uh yeah
1: yeah it's pretty funny. We've done that a few times, like where the buyer and seller never even talk. just I'll email.
0: So. Wow. So you guys are really uh, you have to be you have to have good process and be really involved for them to trust the the seller that much. you're You're setting things up really well for them then,
1: yeah, definitely, right. yeah, have all the right agreements in place, and we almost all of our deals have like some kind of escrow process to protect people on both sides. so
0: yeah, cool. So what kind of mindset do you see? I know we've talked in the past, you know, even as much as like 10 years ago about mindset things, what kind of mindsets do you see in successful business buyers?
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, That's a good question. Uh, one thing I see with them is like, they treat it as like a long-term, long-term game versus like where they're trying to make things happen fast. Uh, That's where buyers or really buyers or sellers, you can get in trouble if you're trying to like for something or make something happen quickly, yeah. uh, where it's almost like you got to take it as I know I've talked with some buyers who were like, yeah, I've been looking for the right business for like six, nine, 12 months. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, you definitely have to treat it like almost like a game and not yeah. be too attached to the outcome, uh, right. where that can definitely, if you're too attached to it, you can get yourself in a bad position where you pursue something that maybe isn't the right thing. Uh, or just the fact. Also, too, you definitely need to be resilient. Like when you get into doing the like business acquisitions, it's definitely not for the faint of heart. Uh, yeah. Even when things go perfectly, almost it still is a roller coaster process to get it across the finish line. So, right. Um, yeah, definitely recommend people like take. Got to be patient for sure.
0: Yeah, what about for yourself? Is there are there mindsets that have kind of helped you be successful in life, or that you kind of rely on on a regular basis
1: uh yeah i mean i think the biggest thing has been uh like when we work with sellers we definitely have them when we can work with people ahead of time to make improvements in their business uh that's like my favorite thing because then you get in the mindset of like looking at a business as an asset where you can make improvements and uh that helps people see, helps people get through some of the dark times of being an entrepreneur, like when things do not go well, right. uh, if you have that mindset of like, you're building an asset versus like, it's just something that you do to make money, uh, yeah. then you can make decisions and investments that are better for you long-term. Um, yeah.
0: How would you encourage someone that's that, you know, they're like, okay, I'm, I want to buy a business or I want to buy an app. I want to buy an e e-commerce store, or even just in general, like they're looking to buy a business. What advice would you give to that person?
1: Yeah, a few things for sure. Uh, it is getting more competitive, like I said, where, or you said, too, like there's funds now and stuff that are buying up Amazon, yeah. e-commerce businesses and all that stuff where you need to find a way to like set yourself apart as a buyer. And yeah. uh, so one thing when we work with buyers is we look at their talents and abilities and, and resources that they have that they yeah. can bring to the table that might be unique to them. And then uh, and then you definitely want to get your funds in place and uh, so that you can close quickly. That's a big thing where some of these private equity groups or funds that are coming to the table, like they can close quickly, they have teams of people in place so they they can actually go do due diligence and they have money in place so they can just close on a deal in like 30 days uh, versus individual buyer. You might not be able to, but if you get everything in place, you can for sure. So, yeah. have financing ready to go and then uh have an attorney like ready to go because you want an attorney to look stuff over and then uh if you're buying any kind of larger business we're going to do due diligence have someone ready to go for that too so you're not like scrambling to pull this team of people together you'll need to be able to get a deal closed
0: right and on the larger deals you would have an accountant and a lawyer who else would be on your team to to close a larger deal
1: uh, those are usually the key ones. Uh, yeah. and then, yeah, those are the biggest ones maybe if it's a technical type of business, you'll want somebody involved to make sure like whatever you're buying is good on the code yeah. side of things. Uh, right. if it's up and going, it's typically going to be okay, but still make sure it's going to work for, uh, for you, whatever your, uh, your goal is. That's the other part of buyers too, is like go into it with a, uh, where you have some kind of exit plan for it. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, so you know what you're looking to get out of the business, maybe you never want to sell it and that's cool. Uh, but if you're going to buy something and try to flip it, you definitely want to buy right. Uh, so you can set yourself up to be able to exit when you want to.
0: Yeah. I like the idea that, you know, the book built to sell where it's like, if you build it to sell it, when that time comes, you can do it. Whereas if like, Probably the vast majority of business owners, they're just running their business, and one day they're they're done, and then it's really hard to sell for what they want to get out of it at that point.
1: Yeah, but, yeah definitely. Yeah, it's a great that's a great book. I love that one. It's uh, it's one of the ones that like it's actually it's uh discovered it like the guy has like real world information and and stuff that's truly helpful for people, uh, yeah. not just theory. Like actually useful. Uh, yeah, like if you build a business that that's a good business. Someone will always want to buy it. Right. You'll always be able to sell it.
0: Yeah. And his, um, he has the value builder process as well, like getting it ready to sell. And I forget what his eight things are, but that's for sure a great place. If you're, if you're those eight things to get your business ready to sell. I think the biggest one that stood out to me was if you have some sort of recurring revenue in your business, that's, you know, a huge asset in going to sell.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Anything you can do in your business to create any kind of recurring or subscription revenue. Like there's anything we put out as brokers that has, that will always get interest. Like you'll always get offers for it for sure.
0: Yeah. So if, if someone was looking to buy a business, what resources would you recommend? I'll put those two books in the show links, but what else would you recommend for someone?
1: Uh, yeah. I'm trying to think like there's a couple of people out there now that do do a good job of like how teaching people how to buy businesses. Uh, there's a guy, Carl Allen, I forget what his, uh, what his course is. And then there's like uh Harbor club. I've talked with yeah. those guys before and yeah. uh, I'd say those are the two main ones. Oh, Roland Frazier. I don't know if he's yeah. still doing it. He had a good, uh good challenge thing or course that he yeah. did for a while. So he's, I'm like, in his,
0: are... I'm in his right now. It's live like this week. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah.
1: There's definitely some practical stuff that uh, that those guys teach that you can yeah. go go execute on. Um, those are the bigger fuel sources, and then I would say too, uh, like if you're looking to buy a business and you're trying to do like a no money down deal or a low money yeah. down deal, you definitely want to have a particular approach where yeah. you're probably going out to sellers directly yeah. and establishing a relationship with them versus like usually if someone's working with a broker or right. a mergers and acquisition advisor type person they want cash like they want a liquidity event and to some degree so they're not yeah. going to just hand over their e-commerce business that's doing a million bucks a year for like no money right. down you know right. it's it's not going to happen but there's yeah. some great like offline businesses or other things where it might be someone is looking to retire or has health issues they're like they do want to get out more urgently yeah and you can just go in and take it over and uh, find some good deals that way, so.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I've seen a couple of those in last year in June, when we I, I'm in Thailand and we couldn't leave and come back, but I saw a business that I had seen in Florida that went from 1.4 million selling price um, down to 400,000 and the, the EBITDA was 750,000 a year. And so I'm like, what? So i just got on the phone and called the broker and i'm like what's the deal like this just dropped by a million bucks and i'm like is this you know what's going on here and the broker said well he's got 20 homes paid off in palm beach he has his own plane his own car he had this business was you know he had a deal going for a couple months financing fell through and he's just like i'm done i don't want to walk back into the office ever again and it was It was this kind of situation where if you could, you know, and he's and he was like, honestly, the guy would take a quarter million right now, like for a business that's doing three quarters of a million. He's like, he just wants out. And it was a pretty cool business model, pretty simple. Um, He'd had an innovative way. He was was doing um, LED lighting in parking lots. And most of his money was reoccurring because it was going back and replacing those once a month in government places and malls and stuff. And, um, but he just was done. And, you know, there's those kind of situations if you're willing to look, but yeah, most, most business that's like the, you know, one in a hundred, like most businesses, (laughs) you're going to need the money. You got it. And if you come in, yeah, if you want one in a hundred, great, you can go out and you can do it just like a no money down on a house. You can find it if you look, but if you have money, obviously, then the, the other 99 are open to you as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Typically you'll find a higher quality business or one that doesn't have as many, you know, maybe, maybe warts with it. So.
0: Yeah. So what are some of your dreams in business? I know you've, you've talked about some of those in the past, but what are, what are some, as you look down the road, where do you see yourself?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, like one thing I enjoy the most about the brokerage business is when we help sell our clients where, you know, they go into the process thinking like they just want to sell their business and cash out, uh, get some capital to work on their their next big idea or whatever, Uh, But then like when they go through and do it, it ends up being a transformational thing for them or like after they've sold their business, they're way more confident. Uh, Typically, I don't know if it's just working with us, but they end up with like other resources that they can use for their next next big idea. but really just a transformational part like i had one seller client where i was able to hang out with him in person back a year or so ago where we helped him sell his business and like i see him and like gives me a big hug like he's in tears he had like sold the business and then paid off all of his debts so yeah. he was like financially free for the first time in his life and yeah. uh and then working on stuff that he actually wanted to uh because yeah. he's burned out on the business before so i like that transformational transformational aspect so Going to be doing some other stuff that's more in like the self help market, uh, with a uh, past business partner of mine. So
0: cool. And is that some of the legacy that you'd like to leave in in your life? You know, fifty years from now when your the grandkids are uh, grown up and all that. Kind yeah, of stuff?
1: yeah, definitely. Yeah, like the brokerage stuff has been cool. I mean, we've helped some some seller clients who've gone on to do cool stuff like Ezra Firestone and Matt Clark, where they've helped a lot of people. Uh, yeah but like a, the the self-help market definitely had, you can have some more impact on people's lives in ways that are meaningful to them on a bigger scale than, uh, than just brokering. So, yeah.
0: Cool. Yeah. You know, I was actually thinking about it this morning in, um, one of my biggest moments of shame in life is when I pulled out your chair, I think it was in eighth grade and on Halloween <laughs> was it eighth grade. Uh, or seven,
1: something like that. Seventh or eighth grade, I forget. Yeah, yeah. You
0: cracked your head on the desk behind you, and I, I came and saw you at the nurse's office, and I remember you had one of those airplane pillows that was completely soaked red with blood, and, uh and it, and since then I've been like anti-pranks and like stopping people, because I've seen like, you know, if they're not good-natured, so many pranks. Even if they are, so many end badly but also since I don't know if it's because of that or the way I'm wired, but I always try to stop and help people in accidents or those kind of things. But just that little, (laughs) like a little moment, you know, can, can totally uh, change the direction of your life. So how can. What's funny uh, is like,
1: I barely, I barely remember that The thing I remember about that most was that the, uh, like the teacher that like walked me down to the nurse's office. I thought she was gonna have a heart attack.
0: Oh, really? (laughs) i don't even remember who the teacher was i just remember she was really yeah, I mean, mad when she came back <laughs> she might have even been a sub right Which, yeah crazy so um, how can our listeners get in touch with you uh if they'd like to follow you
1: yeah definitely they can always reach out to us at uh dot com, and then uh or by email by email it's just eric at So.
0: okay cool and i'm i imagine you're on linkedin and all the places where people sit. Yes. Yep. Okay. Definitely. Cool. Well, thanks so much, Eric. This was uh, informative yeah, and fun and, uh, thanks for being our guest.
1: Yeah. Happy to be on. Thanks for having me.
0: BAM school facilitating a global self-funding disciple making movement through business. Thanks for tuning in to the BAM school podcast. Find show notes, free courses, resources, and more at 4BAM.com.